The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and Daily Antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah, I apologize for the news, everybody, or for the noise behind me. But good morning. That's right. It's Tuesday, April 8th, and today is National Happiness Happens Day. It's also National Dollar Day, National CBD Day, National Frozen Custard Day, National Pickleball Day, Sneak Some Zucchini Into Your Neighbor's Porch Day, Gretchen, and International Infinity Day on top of International Cat Day, Global Sleep Under the Stars at Night, and National What a Burger Day. And last but not least, Rico's favorite, National Mochi Day. Oh, yeah. Thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. Uh, Yes. Oh, yes. That's right, Rico. You love mochi. We're on the streets. Yes. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where we live at the Internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube. And uh, and we're going to rock right into the dope dad himself, the mun- the mochi muncher. That's right. The dope dad himself. That's right. Is none other than the Rico Lameet. Can you even see me? <laughs> right now, are we just audio only? No, 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 no. You're on. You're you are you are you okay. are on. We can see you. Yes. Yeah, but he's not on the live stream though. He 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 is on the live stream. He's on YouTube. Yes. Okay. You sure it's not fake news, Jason? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm watching it. I have it right here on this other monitor. Better watch out. I'll I'll send some zucchini to be put in your porch. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Stick a zucchini in your tailpipe. Oh. <laughs> We're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> That's what I call a split. <laughs> so, um, on to the story. So, I got some big news coming out today uh, for all you Bud Light fans, Jason. Because <laughs> we know big out. <laughs> we know big alcohol has been hovering over the cannabis industry for years now. And um, I thought it, I personally thought it'd just be a matter of time before folks were buying weed from a beer company, but surprise, surprise, big cannabis struck first. And if a major deal between Anheuser-Busch and Tilray actually closes, Americans will soon be buying their beer from a weed company. The wall street journal reported this morning, Anheuser-Busch InBev is selling eight beer and beverage brands, including craft mainstays, shock top and blue point to cannabis giant Tilray brands for an undisclosed amount. The acquisition also includes lesser known regional logos, Breckenridge Brewery, Red Hook Brewery and Highball Energy, among others. But it ain't just the brands InBev is letting go of. The transaction includes breweries, brew pubs and current employees associated with the brands, too. Tilray says the purchase price will be paid in cash and the deal is expected to close this year. President of Anheuser-Busch Premium Brand and Craft Brewer Unit, Andy Thomas, told the journal, uh, told the Wall Street Journal that Tilray reached out earlier this year, expressing interest in buying the brands and breweries and Anheuser-Busch is still committed to other craft beer brands in its portfolio. 
Sure thing, Andy. Uh, news of the sale comes in the wake of InBev's announcement late July that they were laying off hundreds of workers at its U.S. offices following months of poor Bud Light sales. As everyone knows, Bud Light's been having issues since April after receiving commercial backlash over a promotion with transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney. It was a big deal to the public when Mexican brand Modelo Especial took this top spot away from Bud Light as top selling beer in the U.S. Because, you know, Mexican, they took they took our jobs, uh, all that other bullshit, performative justice, snowflake conservatives. Y'all, y'all get it in. Uh, but InBev will be laughing their way to the bank on this one, cashing in on more conservative snowflake tears, because not only do they own Modelo, but since they bought Anheuser-Busch back in 2008, the most American beer company of all time has been owned by a Belgian-Brazilian conglomerate. Follow the money, people. But yeah, Tilray's move as the company's latest foray into alcoholic beverages after back in November agreeing to buy the craft brewer and hard seltzer maker Montauk Brewing. And the company says that the acquisition will make it the fifth largest craft beer brewer in the U.S., giving it a 5% stake of the entire industry. Um I have gout, so uh, I no longer drink beer like I used to back in the day. So it really doesn't matter to me either way. But I'm interested in hearing from the beer drinkers in the house, craft or otherwise. Would you mind buying your favorite beers from Tilray? I'm Rico Lamite, the dopest dad on the street. What do y'all think about this one? Again, Rico, I don't drink beer either. And this story just makes me glad that I don't drink beer. <laughs> Me too. I don't drink you beer. Buy, you wouldn't buy your beer you from MSO? You people <laughs> boof, not drink beer. Boof, boof beer. Boof beer is what they should <laughs> come out with. Yeah, boof beer. You highfalutin. Only us good Pittsburgh girls still drink beer. What's going on? Beer. Yeah, I won't be able to walk me. tomorrow if I drink beer. I mean, I even drink will, Iron City, which can barely be my, my toe, beer. My, toe will, like my big toe on my right foot would swell up and I would not be able to walk. Oh. And shout out to Costco. So if you want me to go ahead, if you want me to screw my kidneys over even more, Gretchen, go ahead, send me some beer. All right, cool. Sweet. (laughs) Jason Beck, do you have that problem? Can I send you some beer? I mean, you can send it to me all you want. You know what I mean? I'm just not like a beer drinker. I don't like the taste of it. I think it tastes nasty. Highfalutin. Mm. All right. No, boy. Highfalutin. No, I just have just a higher gene pool gene, you know what I mean, that makes the shit taste nasty. Yeah, Jason's um I prefer weed to beer anyway. Or it just tastes nasty. <laughs> uh, well, I, mean, I have a question. Since everyone in cannabis is hurting in every way possible, how does Tilray have the money to do this? Tilray's been sitting on all kinds of cash because they haven't been able to mar- enter the U.S. market, really. So um, they've been waiting for a bunch of smaller companies, just like Canopy was, um, uh, a bunch of smaller American companies to just fall out. And they said that they weren't going to uh, really truly enter the market until we had federal legalization ironed out. They suffered a few losses and pulled back earlier this year. I mean, the reality, too, is if Tilray is going to focus on on, on on beverages, it's going to be a loss for them in the long run anyway, because that is the smallest segment of the smallest segment of cannabis Jason sales. is a hater. Jason is a hater I'm of all things uh, cannabis drinkables, but is the fastest growing segment in the damn industry, Jason. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're a little you wrong only, on you that You only can back. say it's it the might be fastest small now, growing. But... You can only say it's the fastest growing because it's the smallest segment of the smallest segment, so therefore any growth that it had would seem like it was the most enormous. If you well, were not way. a smoker, if you're not a smoker, it's an easy way to socialize, and I... Like I say, every single time we talk about drinkables, I don't like them at all. But all of my wife's friends, they they love that shit. Well, and if you like Rico says, if you are a non-consumer, it is the easiest way to enter the market. And frankly, this country is very used to drinking in social situations. So it's just a natural way uh, to bring cannabis into the mix. I'm with you. But uh, but 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 drinking is, drinking, drinking cannabis is. doesn't give you the same kind of effect as like what alcohol or even water would give you. OK, it just goes and puts people to sleep. <laughs> so we're comparing drinkables to water now. <laughs> I mean, may, maybe I mean, maybe that's what they're serving in the White House. I don't know. I'm just saying when it comes to consumption lounges and the issues you have with smoking and all sorts of things, I mean, beverages make a lot more it's sense. It's a good alternative. Yeah. I no mean, no one's going to want that shit no, as an alternative. No. The problem is a little tiny itty bitty thing has 100 milligrams of drink available. Right. It's <laughs> only THC isolate. That's it. That's all you're going to get. And so, yeah, you, of course, it's not the same. 
is definitely not the same. It's not going to metabolize the same in your body or anything. And drinks are going to be the biggest bust I don't think in anybody, the cannabis. But if space. you're not used to, if you're not used to weed in any form or format. You are used to drinking. Chances are, like, oh, I guess I'll try this. If there's only a little bit of THC in it. I feel a buzz, sure. I you gotta it. feel something. I doubt it. You know, uh, th- well, there, there was an interesting study. I'll oh, go ahead, Gretchen, and then I'll go right after. I was you. just gonna say, let's go back to the actual story. Um, I I think this is a smart move for Tilray. What the hell? I think these guys are playing the long game when no one else in cannabis seems to be playing the long game. And I'm not talking two years, five years down the road. I'm saying they're looking out. You know, fifty years down the road. I mean, I think I don't think this is a bad move on their part if they can hold it together until they can get to the long game. It's a, it's a terrible yeah. move, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay, okay. you ready for Can't this? Wait. You ready for this? So there was I there was born ready, Jason. There, 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 there was a buddy of mine that did did a little little study um, at, at some dispensaries and noticed first time patients what they what they purchase and whether or not they ever come back. And if you are a first this, this and the data shows that if you are a first time patient and you purchase an edible or a drinkable, you're not coming back. You're never coming back. Never, never coming back. You're never coming back to a store ever, ever, ever again. If you purchase some flour and a pre-roll, then you will be back. Well, and did he hypothesize on why that is, Jason? Back? Uh, I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet that a lot of people don't like the high of the edible high, and they're not expecting it, and it just hits them too hard, and they're like, "Oh no, no, I'm good. I'm not going to try that again. I'm good. I tried it. I'm good." Yeah, they're getting too high. And they don't feel anything, and then they eat another one, and then they have a terrible too high experience. Yeah. Most of the drinkables or edible people are, are probably going to be buying online regardless. Like They're, they're not used to going into dispensaries. So they're probably not buying not this go back shit online, Rico. Stop it. Shoppers. Stop it. it. Do you know how much it costs to deliver this dosing. shit? And whoever can figure out the dosing and the edible and the beverage market is going I, to win. I battle. mean, coming from coming from someone that's on in, on the wrong coast for this stuff, Gretchen, you have no idea. In California, we, all, the bever- all the beverage, all the big beverage companies, all Hello. the big beverage companies are doing micro dose beverages. They're two to five milligrams, or it's a bigger well, bottle. That's not what I've experienced out there. Oh, that's, well, that's because you're buying your stuff in the trap. I've done hundred milligram bottles. I've seen that's, thirty. There's some. Yeah, there, there's you're a buying lot of them those, in the but trap. Those are in the wrong markets. On the markets that are more um, mature, like California, sure. those well, guys. Well, those have are the only places I've drank beverages. California. My friend. Well, there's a couple brands. I launched one called Arte in California in 2019 with some great guys from New York, and uh, they're on their own now doing their thing. But it's called Arte. This is a cannabis aperitif, and it's amazing. And it's every shot or every ounce or two ounces or whatever is only two and a half milligrams. So it's you know, look. Uh, of course, if you're gonna buy a bottle of Jack Daniels and drink the whole bottle of Jack Daniels in one night, yeah, yeah. Of course, that's that's awful too. But on a cannabis beverage kind of, you know, um, you know, philosophy, it's like, hey, come home and unwind with a cannabis beverage, not, hey, like drink like 100 milligrams or eat 100 milligram edible or something like that. I think there's definitely a case to say there's people that need that. I think there's also a case to say like average people that want to just have a, a unique cannabis product just want to have a great experience. And that's, you know, that is and exactly I don't think any. I don't think anywhere I suggested that someone should just go and chug a hundred no. milligram. What I'm suggesting is that you're Nicole, saying dosing. Is, you're saying dosing is no, the key, and people finish, crack the let code. Let me finish. Let me finish. Have, let me finish. They, let me finish. Let me finish. So, for example, when someone brings up a candy bar, and yes, it is dosed properly, that it's just a little square, but people are used to eating an entire candy bar. I'm telling you, they're not reading the label to understand, oh, I should just eat this and just wait. No, they're going to eat four or five squares. They're like, come on, when's this thing starting? That's what I mean when it comes to dosing. The entire candy bar should be just 2.5. It should not be. No one's going to want to consume that many calories to not get to not get barely high. Have you met the American public? Do you know many calories? <laughs> right? you, that's that, 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 that's what the average. What yeah, the, the, the average cannabis. Give me to the Halloween size. The average cannabis uh, candy consumer J- is like such a I do not boy. want to eat that many calories to have that much weed. It's just totally I, 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 I don't think it's a calories. I don't think it's a calorie situation. I think it's a price situation. To get that product to market, that has to be a certain wholesale price, certain MSRP to make it valuable. Otherwise, everyone's just going to be competing with Mars. So it's like they, they have to add a certain amount of the active ingredient in there to make it a viable like financial model for themselves. I think that's really what it comes down to. They should start making yep. the Halloween size candy, you know, the little yeah. tiny itty bitty ones. 
Yeah, the weird baby, ones. Baby shots. The pumpkin ones. <laughs> I'm just saying. I think Americans are too used to ch- chugging a 24-ounce bottle of something. You don't to get the same effect. smart enough to read the label. You don't right, get the that's same why effect. it's not going to work in a, right. in a lounge. Beverages won't work in a lounge because you're there for a while. You're going to want to drink something for a while. You're not going to yeah. want to take one shot and, okay, I'm done. You know, but and Saman is saying that it can be microdose. Uh, they are. They are microdose. There's a lot of them that are microdose. Yeah, there is a lot of products that are microdose. Two to five. Yes. Yeah, can is. But I don't is, even think two, two, two milligrams is enough, right? But two milligrams. But then you could have. But then you could have more. Yeah, and if you're so going to consume like, a six It's pack. like a bar. A bartender has a jigger that pours out of their their liquor bottle so that a jigger. Yeah, what do they have? <laughs> uh huh. Interesting. Interesting, Simon. That's what it's called. Am I wrong? <laughs> but but there there's all those uh there's all these um controls in place to stop people from over consuming whether it's alcohol or whatever it's like it's like we're already we already know what to do here it's not like it's crazy but the problem with beverages is the distribution they're heavy to transport and that costs a lot of money and it's not sophisticated enough to actually you know have a viable ed- uh, you know drink edible market yet because of that distribution model until we get our government to you know help us out there and uh, open up the borders so that we well, can get some and oh, is this is or is why... this not going to work for tilray yeah this, 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 yeah that's this why i have suggested that tilray is playing the long game it this, may not make so, him a gazillion dollars today this, but, this, this, has this ship has sunk before it's I mean, even set sail okay that's basically what's a happening. big announcement like this helps them raise money mm-hmm. which is what they're mm-hmm. always doing because they're a public company right um, I want to get involved and play the long game as an investor, right? Then uh, it's a good play. But um, so it's a great again, announcement to raise money for sure. Your financial yeah. support. Yeah, they're going to be playing the long game, looking at the <laughs> look all their long ass losses. But nonetheless, we're going to go to commercial and be right back. Do it. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Up next, he's the longest continuously operating retailer in the game. He's also known for smoking the best weed in the world, and it seems like they're still cleaning up after Donald Trump's messes out there in Mar-a-Lago. If I see those boxes behind you, man, they got uh, classified markers on them. They are classified, yes, classified boxes for sure. (laughs) Y'all know who it is, Jason Beck. Oh, yeah, Rico. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, man, you guys, Gretchen is going to love my story. All right, because New York, that's right, New York, the CURD, C-A-U-R-D program comes to a halt with a temporary freeze on licensing. Oh, no one's getting their licenses anymore, Gretchen. In a groundbreaking move, the NYCAURD, CURD, cannabis licensing has temporarily halted. This comes in light of recent legal challenges against New York's Office of Cannabis Management, the OCM, regarding the licensing process under the conditional adult use retail dispensary CURD program. State Supreme Court Judge Kevin Bryant's response... Card. Card, whatever. Card. Card. Curds. An a Curd. in there. Uh, whatever. Curd. Curds and ways. You know what I mean? Kevin Bryant's <laughs> response to last week's lawsuit was swift and decisive. The judge issued a temporary restraining order that prohibits the OCM from processing or granting any further adult use marijuana licenses under the CURD program. This decision primarily addresses the concern that disabled veterans and other minority groups the law prioritizes have been largely sidelined from obtaining these licenses. The restraining order will remain in effect until the court provides further directives and the next significant date is Friday when a hearing in Ulster County will further evaluate the arguments presented in the lawsuit. The four veterans at the heart of the lawsuit have collectively dedicated over two decades to the United States military and their primary grievance is against the CURD program unwarranted expansion which in their perspective locks proper foundation 
in the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act, the MRTA. The suit emphasizes that the program, which was originally designed to grant 150 licenses, has ballooned to more than 463 in a mere fortnight. The CURD program specifically targets prospective entrepreneurs with past cannabis convictions under older drug laws. It also extends its benefits to individuals who have relatives with prior convictions. The recent ex- explosion in the number of licenses issued indicates a potential deviation from its initial purpose, as highlighted by the plaintiffs. And with the New York CURD program cannabis licensing pause, the state's budding industry is keenly <laughs> awaiting the upcoming Friday hearing. The industry hopes for a resolution that emphasizes justice and equality in the line with the MRTA. But I'll tell you what, I'm willing to bet that there's nothing that happens on this Friday hearing other than more stalls and stalls and stalls because all I smell is more and more lawsuits coming to New York's flawed program from the beginning. That's right. And this is Jason Beck for the Hyatt 9 News Hour. What do y'all think about this? More stalls. What, New York has so many problems. Right. <laughs> That's right. New York has so many problems. Why do you think they're having everything's a problem from location to you know, illegal uh, dispensaries and now social equity is not working? What's the deal? You know, it, it almost I mean, sounds I like they reason. overpromised and underdelivered, just like we called it last year. Jason, did we not? Yep. Woke Democrats in charge. That's what's going to happen. Oh, Lord. Uh, did uh, Mexico pay for that wall? That's did what Mexico it must pay be. for the wall? <laughs> I mean, I mean technically, technically. Did they even build a wall? Is there Hold a wall? Hold on, you, you agree with my statement, Gretchen? Democrats are fucking it up as usual. Yep, that's right. That's what they're doing. Oh, what? Go, well, Gretchen go, bro. is go, well, turned bro. on Kathy Hochul, on the homegirl Hochul. I know why you consider her my homegirl. No, they have issued over 400 <laughs> licenses. It's on them to get these suckers up and running. You do be sticking that's up right. for her, though, Gretchen. What, what, huh? I said you do be what? sticking up for her, though. No, for you guys to say that they've done nothing, they've issued a shit ton of licenses. It'd be nice if any of these businesses were actually viable and could just open their damn doors. I mean, I love, yeah, I love, but uh, it's like, yeah, we just opened up the licensing pr- prospect and got money from these applicants, you mean, to do licensing that we don't have a platform for, we don't have a, a pathway for, we don't have a plan for. That's what you mean, Gretchen? It's like good for them for doing that. It's like you're just, they're just what, perpetuating what the shit. What plan? What plan? They don't, what, they don't what? have a plan is what I'm saying. Exactly. Who doesn't? The problem doesn't? is they got 400 applicants or they, they, they got yeah. more than 400 applicants, right? Yes. Money. And then they only issued 400 licenses, but there's nowhere for those 400 licenses to go. 463 licenses. Thank you for confirming more than 400. But it's uh, it's like every other state. Everyone does this and then they get the money and then they have to like fight over who gets the money. They don't they don't apply that capital to like actually fixing the industry, um, you know, the the parts of the industry that are stagnated, like how to get resources and how to like actually conduct business when you have an entire city of 18 million people that are like, you know, buying and selling black market cannabis. So it's like, this is, this is just like a typical problem from, you know, uh, our standpoint uh, from, from like being in the industry and seeing how things have gone. You have all these new States that are just fumbling the ball. You know, they really just need to call Jason back and get the game plan from Jason. Cause he already, this guy knows what, what to do. He already has, he already has it written out, ready to go. So would you would you would you have I guess we would have asked for a plan first and then they could have started issuing out the license and moved forward with the application process versus trying to just get everybody to jump on the bandwagon, like you said. But how do they move forward at this point? Like what is there? What can New York do to actually stop the illegal operations to even allow the legal operations to even open and nothing have a nothing to nothing they, need, never they need to they need to grandfather in the 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 pre-existing legacy market that is running rapid on the streets and regulate that's them right. as is that's the only choice yep. that they have at this point because you're never like, going to get them all closed down like i said jason beck has the plan the man with the plan just is what it is it this is. is what it that's is. That's what you got to do. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Well, mm-hmm. as you created this show, maybe you know what will fix this, Jason? A photo op. Oh yeah, a photo op <laughs> with Kathy Hochul walking into a store and not buying anything, not even an ashtray or a souvenir T-shirt that says "I went to New York" and all I got was this lousy T-shirt made out of hemp. <laughs> <laughs> I, went, I went to one of the ten dispensaries open, <laughs> and all, right, all I got 
20 dispensaries. Oh, hold on, hold on. That, that, that would be good. Like, I went to this. They, they should all have the same shirt in all the dispensaries, and then, like, whatever one that they actually went to is, like, highlighted out of the one of 10 or one of 20. You put 10 on the front, 10 on the back. You know what I mean? I went to this store here. Mm-hmm. That would, th- those would sell. Those would sell. That, they probably would have higher revenue in those T-shirt sales than they would with cannabis sales. So uh, is, is Sean Kiernan anywhere in the vicinity of anybody's grasp? Can we get a, the, the, the veterans' point of view on this? Is this a win for veterans uh, to, to halt the program? I think this is a win for veterans. I mean, especially, I mean, at the same time, too, they're leaving out the disabled in, in, in all of this, too. And this whole industry was built on the backs of the disabled. So why they, they weren't allowed in, in as part of this program, too, is just baffling to me as well. Mm. It's all right. I mean, we're just, we're I mean, just going to be able to get you're, vegan you're on, food everywhere. You're on mute, Nicole. You're on mute, Nicole. We don't get to hear what you're saying. Yeah. Saying that, well, what the article says is they paused it, right? And so, yeah, yeah I, it's not that it's shut down, but they paused it. And so I, they got to get, they got to recalibrate and figure out how to re- move forward. Recalibrate. So they got to they get I a judge to tell them how they can recalibrate. They, no, Saman's right. They got all this money. Now they have to figure out, okay, how are we going to go spend this money? Right. So they have to sit right. in committee. They have to argue back and forth. They're going to hear from lobbyists. That's right. I highly Todd? doubt they have all this money. No, this yeah, money, no sure money has gone They're into broke. The, whatever money they got. I'm sure gone into the New York General Fund or whatever exactly. is not allocated you know to go fix is. the issues of the industry. Go well, go broke. Um, well, right. They have to figure out where I mean, it's what going. It, Wait, all this money came in from these 463 licenses. Right? What, wouldn't all it be the logical thing to each say? Other. Yeah. And the logical answer is like you come up with a structure before you take the money from the applicants and you say, hey, there was this a is structure. There was a structure, Saman. There was no money. That was the problem. Is that they promised? Listen, listen, listen. listen. No. Oh boy! Oh, she's talking to her dogs again. Absolutely, are regulations. There's absolutely a structure. Card fell apart because they did not raise the money that they promised to give people. That's why it fell apart. And Dazzy was not prepared. Oh, regulations are not a structure. That's no. What I'm talking about. You're not understanding. The conditional use license applicants were told, you show up, we give you a license, we're going to give you a turnkey operation that is all done by DASNY. That's what these guys were promised, but then they didn't raise the $200 million they needed to pull that off. That's why this program did not That's the only issue. If that money had been there, then these guys would start opening their doors. But now they're all sitting there unable to open. The the, the real reason is that the whole business model is flawed, which is why no one wanted to invest in it, which is why it is a totally flawed program. Where's Ruben Daniels? I'd love to believe that bureaucracy would help the situation. It's it's only hurting the situation by not... I'm not saying bureaucracy's helping. But this is a bureaucratic issue, and that and the real it's a issue, money issue. So, it's a money issue. Is, and and who controls the money in politics? It's the bureaucrats. So I'm it's saying a bureaucratic they didn't issue. raise the money that was supposed to fund the shit. That's why there's a problem. Again, bureaucratic issue. So the other the other part of this is like we know in politically windy states like New York, New Jersey, all these other Illinois, it's going to take forever to unwind this crap and to get back to a place where, you know, these people are going to be treated equitably in this industry. And that's the real shame. And that's the real problem with bureaucracy is they they you know, you're on the bandwagon when they're going to, to you know, when they need your money or they need your support for their elections. But when it comes to supporting people after they're in office, look, look what happens. We're just hanging by the wayside we're we're being dangled you know we're getting the carrot dangled so that we have to continue doing more work when it's those bu- bureaucrats that need to be actually promulgating the change that they told us they were going to do so this is just more typical bs nonsense from state and local governments and the problem is lack of planning plain and simple perfect I'm just just saying, just saying, you know what? We're going to we're going to go roll right into Gretchen. We're way behind on time right now today. We got a late start. We apologize, guys. But she's the feisty redheaded conservative that loves to tell pot loving libs all about themselves. That's right. She's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and other than the Gretchen Gailey. Blame all of our issues on Jason Beck. He's the reason New York sucks. uh, Sure. Blame it all on me. I I have wide shoulders, girl. I know. Damn you, Jason. Right. So My broad. headline study shows marijuana is significantly associated with reduced use of unregulated opioids. 
A new federally funded study has found that marijuana is significantly associated with reduced opioid cravings for people using them without a prescription, suggesting that expanding access to legal cannabis could provide more people with a safer substitute. Researchers at the British Columbia Center on Substance Use and UCLA surveyed 205 people who used cannabis and opioids without a prescription from December 2019 to November 2021, aiming to test the theory that marijuana represents an effective harm reduction tool amid the overdose crisis. The study published in the International Journal of Drug Policy found that 58% of participants reported that their motivation to use marijuana was to reduce opioid cravings. And a multivariable analysis showed that cannabis use was significantly associated with self-reported reductions in opioid use. The researchers said that, to their knowledge, this represents the first study of its kind to specifically investigate outcomes of intentional cannabis use to manage opioid cravings among those who are using painkillers that they may be getting from the illicit market, which comes with a risk of obtaining contaminated products. These findings indicate that cannabis use to manage opioid cravings is a prevalent motivation for cannabis use among people who use unregulated opioids and is associated with self-assessed reductions in opioid use during periods of cannabis use. Increasing the accessibility of cannabis products for therapeutic use may be a useful supplementary strategy to mitigate exposure to unregulated opioids and associated harm during the ongoing drug toxicity crisis. The U.S. National Institutes of Health and Canadian Institutes of Health Research provided funding for the study. One of the seven study authors disclosed that he has a professorship backed by the cannabis company Canopy Growth to research marijuana science at the University of British Columbia. This is one of the latest pieces of research in a large pool of scientific literature suggesting that marijuana can serve as a substitute for both legal and illegal substances and prescription drugs. Since we're running out of time, I'll stop there. What do you think? Canopy's the guys funding this research. Do we buy it? Do we believe it? Should they be doing this? Or do you think this is follow the money? Canopy's just trying to sell pot. That's Scratching for High at 9 News. I think Canopy's trying to get some kind of revenue since they ain't got any other revenues going on. If it's true, it's great news, <laughs> right? That uh, it helps. I think um, uh, it's a huge, uh, you know, Big Pharma's not going to like it. <laughs> that's for sure. No, that's that, that's for sure. It says um, significantly associated with unregulated opioids. I mean, is mm-hmm. this like street, street yes. drugs, street drugs, street and, drugs, Rico. Correct. I mean, I, I don't. Uh, How do they quantify? Whenever, that? whenever there's a, a quote unquote study. That includes street drugs. I always like, eh, how many people are really going to be giving you the proper information if they're buying perks from the from the neighborhood D boy? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm buying Does that, includes like, yeah, yeah, and does it include heroin and stuff like that too? Yeah, sure. Yeah, right. like, so I'm like, eh, I don't know about this one. I, wanna, I mean, I as know. we know, as we know from the history of science-backed um, research in our country and in any country, it's just like they can find someone who's going to be able to put the data together in a certain way to show, you know, whatever they want. But as someone who actually has used cannabis to to kind of get myself off of opioids after like a pretty severe traumatic accident that I had, I shattered my hip and I have like a bunch of hardware there and like my whole left side of my body. Um, you know, the power, the power of cannabis is immense. And so, yeah, it, but, but honestly, it's the power of the mind more than anything. So it's, it's not just a, a plant-based thing. It's a whole lifestyle change and um, to get, to get healthy and to like, uh, you know, remove some of these, you know, external crutches that we, you know, allow ourselves to kind of use that we get comfortable with. Um, and pain is just one of those things where we're all, you're never going to escape pain in life, physical or emotional pain. We're just, we're humans. That's, that's part of it. But, um, you know, and, it's and absolutely help. you're absolutely right. Yep. The, the, but, and the endocannabinoid system proves it though. Um, and the ability for that plant to mimic cannabinoids that our body already makes to do just that, um, mm-hmm. to create bliss, um, you know, the, the, using that plant as a medicine versus the synthetic forms of it, <laughs> essentially, um, yeah. and, and others is, um, is what is more damaging. And so you, you find, you can find that peace of mind to be able to get to where you need to go mentally, spiritually, energetically, whatever, to also help with that healing process. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, and I've seen proof of that as well, for Every sure. time I try to give a peace of mind, everybody try to take peace of mind. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, what I would hope 
is that uh, from this anecdotal study, it might provide enough of a data point uh, to urge actual clinical research moving forward. And I think that might help to spur um, a, little, a more definitive study. So I think this is good. Whether or not you are for or against, I think it's a yeah. good step and block. And let's I keep it know, moving. I want to know who they used for yeah. this study to determine this. 205 people. I don't know. 205 people. 205. Was, one of them, was one of them Hunter Biden? Perhaps. <laughs> <Next>. <laughs> and Simon, Simon, and I don't want to uh, belittle like anything you said, man. I, I feel you on that. And um, I actually got off opioids, my addiction from college football, in a very similar fashion, thanks to cannabis. So um, I just have a, a personal issue, like with them saying that oh, they have street drugs or, or, or street opioids. Like, how good is that data, and how reliable uh, are the um, uh, are the Givers oh, yeah. of said well, data. Well, at the same time, too, Rico, oh, a lot, I a agree. lot of street, street opioids are actually pharmaceutical opioids that have been diverted, um, that have been that have been diverted to the streets. So, that that could be a portion of it, also. True. All right. Let's. Hey, let, right. we're 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 going to cancel the the middle of the show right now. We're just going to roll right into our next speaker, Rico. Are you ready for this? Um, we're just going to roll right into the global fong. God damn it. Okay. Yeah. Hold on one second. Yeah, come on. Come on. Here we go. Here we go, bro. Here we go. Nicole, I hope you're getting ready. Up next, it is the purple plant magic purveyor herself. Come to the stage. It is the uh, Las Vegas Power 88. Is it Power 88? I don't even have this up, Jason. Thanks for Power 88 in Las Vegas, Nevada, the encyclopedia. (laughs) The National Community Program Director for m 4 Power 88, Las Vegas' friendly neighborhood encyclopedia on Wednesday mornings. But today she's here with us on this Talk About It Tuesday. Nicole Buffon! All right, on with it. Um, my story comes out of Ghana today. Um, and, you know, I like uh, making sure we keep updated on what's happening globally. Uh, but Ghana embarks on path to hemp liberalization paving the way for medical industrial use. Um, You know, recently Ghana announced that they are going to be allowing medical use of cannabis um, in the country, which is great. Um, And so legalizing it in a sense, but it is making significant strides towards the liberalization of hemp, signaling its intentions to explore both medical and industrial applications, move that places the nation at the forefront of a global trend. Ghana is poised to take a leadership role alongside South Africa within the African continent. The growing recognition of hemp's vast potential is prompting countries worldwide to reconsider their stance on the plant. Beyond its medical and industrial benefits, the financial aspect, including investment opportunities and its impact on tourism, are driving nations to fully embrace cannabis legalization. Notable examples include the U.S., Canada, Uruguay, and most recently, Thailand. Closer to home, developments in the European Union are also gaining momentum. Germany, known for its restrictive approach, is currently in the process of legalizing private cannabis use. Experts such as um, Michelle Von Tell, a prominent political advisor to a ruling party, anticipate a domino effect within the EU. In fact, Von Tell stated in a recent interview that he foresees the entire EU embracing cannabis legalization in the foreseeable future. With Germany potentially joining the ranks of progressive cannabis policies, a significant portion of the EU's population could soon be living in countries with a more modern approach to cannabis, hopefully. Notably, Spain, Portugal, Malaga, Czech Republic, Belgium, Luxembourg, and the Netherlands have already taken significant steps towards widespread legalization, collectively representing over 300 million citizens. Michelle Vitel regards this development as a pivotal turning point that will rapidly propagate globally. As Ghana ventures further into the liberalization of hemp, the nation stands at the precipice of a transformative era in medical, industrial, and economic terms. Embracing this opportunity will not only catapult Ghana's progress, but also serve as a beacon for other African nations seeking to capitalize on the far-reaching benefits of cannabis. The journey towards a more inclusive and modern approach to cannabis has begun, and Ghana's leadership in this endeavor is sure to have a lasting impact on the continent and beyond. I'm so grateful to hear this um, and and all the work that's being done in Africa. Um, I 
I'm a big fan and I've been talking with communities in the Caribbean and on the ground in Africa, um, is Africa being the leader of hemp cultivation globally, Um, especially being able to have an open type of market between the Caribbean and Africa, where Africa would produce all the industrial hemp goods and products and building material that they would need to have a sustainable um, uh, infrastructure, a more sustainable infrastructure throughout the Caribbean. Uh, And the Caribbean specifically focusing on um, their land race genetics and seeing what comes out of that. Because I know there's plenty of medicine. Only grow it in those specific places throughout the Caribbean. Don't let those genetics grow anywhere else. And they would have a corner of the market that would really be valuable. Um, so this is Nicole Buffon reporting for Hide Night News. I'd love to hear what everyone thinks about um, Ghana actually going into the industrial hemp uh, industry and really looking at it being profitable for them. Soon we will smart. be seeing some Ghanaian ganja. I, 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 <laughs> it's, a, it's a smart move. I believe that hemp fiber uh, and uh, industrial hemp can save the world, really. I mean, it really can from uh, an economic standpoint, from a a, a global warming standpoint. You know, hempcrete is way stronger than regular concrete. You need that, you know, in the Caribbean uh, because there's hurricanes all the time, right? There's not enough Mm -hmm. land space in the Caribbean for them to try to bring the material and the machinery that they need to produce hemp there. It doesn't make sense. Like, it's a smart move for them to be an open market. It's a smart move for Africa. It'll change their entire economy if it's done properly. Like Belgium yeah, and it. France that still owned Africa and China. Oh. Mm-hmm. Now. Yeah, maybe they can get off that Chinese that Chinese bullshit, them 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 payday that's loans right. that they are offered by China. Stop it, stop uh, it. Yeah, bro. that that ain't happening. You're that so ain't happening silly. with the rise of uh, electric vehicles and you know that that re- renewable energy source. I mean, that's you know they're just they mining. Can- they're stripping the country of all of its minerals. You know, that's I mean, right. hemp is literally farming is probably the only option they have in the future yep. um, because they don't have any they don't have any equity in those industries like mining and stuff. Well, I, I think I, I, I think it's even more important. Hey, you know to who know. all that is, Jason? Well, hold on. I think it's even more Donald important Trump to know. Donald Trump out of those shithole countries, slow remember? Down, slow down. There's plenty of shithole <laughs> countries out there. All right. But here's the thing is, is that th- this can actually be a very transformative thing for their whole farming industry overall because you can actually pull the toxins out of the ground and be able to repopulate yes. that soil for actual farm production. So this could be a, a multi-generational um, really, really true benefit for for the country of Ghana. I'm I'm in big support of this. I think this is going to be a great thing. And the fact that they're not talking about growing weed to import weed to all these other countries is just a win for them too. It sounds like some economic person over there has their head on straight. That's yeah, I wish the U.S. would take a look at that and uh, and do it here as well. Conversion leaders are too valuable, Todd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with they, a, with they a two-party system, good luck. Yeah. Yes, yes. We're gonna we're gonna Burn keep, it down. We're gonna keep it rolling. You're getting too sideways now, Rico. All the way. <laughs> we're gonna roll. We're gonna scroll <laughs> right. On, we're gonna scroll right on into one of my other liberal friends. That's right, Mr. Todd Denkin. He's the founder of the Smuggleverse, and as well as the founder and owner of Digipath Labs, where you should get all your cannabis tested when you're in Nevada. That's right. Yes. It is none other than the voice, Mr. Todd Denkin. Thank you, Mr. Beck. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, So from uh, Marijuana Moment, updating some new developments in Wisconsin. A top Wisconsin GOP lawmaker plans to file medical marijuana bill this fall as state becomes island of prohibition. Top Wisconsin Republican lawmaker says his party is aiming to file a long-discussed but as yet unseen medical marijuana bill this fall. Uh, The comment comes as Democrats draw attention to the fact that the state is now an island of prohibition in the region, with one legislator visiting a dispensary and buying cannabis in nearby Michigan over the weekend. As Minnesota's marijuana legalization law went into effect last week, Wisconsin Assembly Speaker Robin Voss said that his caucus is, quote, crafting a proposal that we hope to bring forward this fall. Giving a timeline for the legislation in a new interview with the Wisconsin State Journal after repeated pledges to introduce medical marijuana cannabis or medical marijuana legislation. Boss's prior comments have been met with skepticism from Democrats, including the pro-legalization Senate minority leader, who says she has yet to hear from her Republican colleagues about any substantive 
uh, plans to advance the issue. Details about the proposal have, haven't been released, but the expectation is that it would be a strictly limited measure that may prove too restrictive to earn the support of Democrats who want to see Wisconsin follow the lead of neighboring states like Illinois and Minnesota that have legalized marijuana for adult use. In the meantime, Wisconsinites are taking advantage of those outside state markets, including Representative Christina Shelton, who toured a Michigan cannabis business over the weekend and said in a Twitter post that she, quote, grabbed incredible merch and, yes, purchased some product. Here's the deal, folks. The most dangerous thing about cannabis is that it's illegal in Wisconsin, she said. Senate Minority Leader Melissa Agard, who has been a vocal advocate for marijuana reform and recently raised the issue with the Biden administration officials during a meeting at the White House, shared Shelton's post and said that it's not a matter of if Wisconsin will enact legalization, but when. The devil is in the details, and frankly, the majority party in Wisconsin has the ability to deliver on pretty much anything they want to get done to their gerrymandering majority, Agard told Marijuana Moment in a phone interview on Monday. It's really interesting to me that uh, with the heat being turned up in Wisconsin, with the possibility of more fair maps and fair representation, that the Republican Party is waking up to the will of the people, she said, referencing lawsuits that have been filed in the state Supreme Court challenging the constitutionality of the GOP-drawn legislative district maps. A new justice was recently sworn into that court, giving it a 4-3 to liberal majority that could bolster the chances of the lawsuit's success. Agard said, if in fact Speaker Voss actually puts something forward, again, it's vitally important that we look at the details of that policy and make sure that it matches up with the people in Wisconsin are actually asking for. But this is not the first time that Voss has suggested his caucus would be doing work to come up with a medical cannabis bill. He's routinely talked about being open to incremental reform over the years and previously said he planned to introduce legislation later in the summer of this year. According to Agard, she said, clearly people have been asking the speaker for about this for a long time, and he continues to pivot away from actually doing something that will provide relief and forward momentum in the state of Wisconsin. They need to get it done right, as opposed to just getting excited about having a bill introduced without the adequate review of the people who it's impacting the most. An analysis that the minority leader requested from Legislative Fiscal Bureau earlier this year estimated that Wisconsin residents purchased more than $121 million worth of marijuana from legal retailers in neighboring Illinois in 2022, contributing about $36 million in tax revenue to the state. A separate report published by Wisconsin Policy Reform in February found that 50% of adults 21 and older in the state live within 75 minutes of an out-of-state cannabis retailer. That percentage stands to increase now that Minnesota's market is coming online. According to uh, the minority leader, most of us know people that are doing this, and it's not good for the state. It's not making us safer be on an island of prohibition. It's not helping our prosperity. It's not honoring people's personal liberties and freedom. In fact, it's continuing to push us backwards. Wisconsin Senate rejected two amendments, as reported here on Hyatt 9 News back in May, to a budget bill that would have legalized marijuana in June, including one led by Agard, putting lawmakers on record about the popular voter-supported policy. After Republican senators stripped cannabis provisions from the governor's budget in committee in May, Minority leader gave the full chamber a chance to enact a reform with one omnibus amendment that would have restored several administrative priorities, including marijuana legalization and another clean measure focused exclusively on legalizing cannabis. The result in the GOP-controlled legislature isn't entirely unexpected, but it does represent the first time that voters got a clear sense of where all their senators stand on the issue. During last year's election alone, voters in three counties and five municipalities approved referenda, voicing support for cannabis legalization, which is a reform that's also backed by the governor, but has consistently stalled under GOP leadership in Madison. The governor said in January that he does believe Republicans will introduce medical cannabis legislation this session, and he's committed to signing it into law so long as it's not flawed with too many limitations. 
Governor and the GOP majority have a strained relationship on the issue. Leadership has criticized Evers for putting adult use legalization in recent budget requests. The Assembly Speaker warning this year that including the broad reform could jeopardize talks on more modest medical marijuana legalization. He did it anyway. And, and at a joint committee hearing in May, Republicans responded in kind, stripping both recreational and medical cannabis language from the budget proposal, along with hundreds of other policy items. I'm Todd Dankin with High at Night News, and uh, basically it's the GOP in Wisconsin saying, uh, if you don't play by my rules, I'm going to take my bong and go home. <laughs> yes, What's and the, they're going like to the, uh, the Wisconsin, uh, the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Yeah, the Wisconsin Prohibition Island and liberal. I love it. Yeah. I love that. That is that is brilliant because it's it exactly is. what they've ended up being. It's so, right. so brilliant. I know. Love it. The mad real world. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I love this story. I love the fact that a Republican has taken the lead. And to introduce some, or is going to say that he's going to take the lead to introduce some form of cannabis legalization. So take that, you guys. What do you guys have to say about that? With some mysterious bill that nobody's seen yet. I think he's politicking. I mean, what are you talking about? Chuck Schumer was saying he's going to come out with a bill on 420 and left you guys all high and dry. You guys didn't even see anything till August. That sounds like what about, what about, what about, what about, right? I mean, it's not it's not what about I'm just saying like like you can't you can't you can't complain about stuff that you, you don't complain about when your own party does. That's all that I'm saying. Yeah, no, no, hold on, hold on. Hold on. You, this goes back to Scott Walker. If you want to talk about the root of the problem and why Wisconsin is on this prohibition island it's because Scott Walker took all that power and made it so he neutered the Democrats before they came into office. And they're reaping all of the benefits of that now. And then now that there's an issue, Republicans are like, oh, only I can fix this. Sounds, right. sounds like a game we played before. Right. I mean, what is, dude? Uh, yeah. I, I think you're giving a whole lot more power exactly. to Scott Walker than he deserves, frankly. Uh, it's just Democrats haven't found their balls in what a hundred fucking years. Come on, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. If you want legalization, do it. I, I, frankly, I'm surprised Wisconsin took this long. I really am. Uh, yeah, with everything else that was going on in their neck of the woods, they're gonna have they to follow suit with their neighbor in Ohio. Until they were on Prohibition Island. Yeah, is it the like Republicans just like to they like to do shit Dude, like that should be make like the next dating game, Prohibition Island. They're gonna have like, they're gonna have <laughs> this is what happens when this, was, this is what happens when you vote for a reality <laughs> TV <Just> president. <laughs> You get a bunch of <laughs> you get a bunch of reality TV politics that's that right. are permeating our culture. Rico, they're going to have what the hell y'all are talking about. Rico, they're going to have medicated cheese. You realize yeah, that, that, dude? I was I was out there. Easy I was out cheese, there. Mars cheese, 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 cheese. <laughs> I, I was out there in Wisconsin, and I felt really I felt really bad for. I was out there in Wisconsin. Went into the little vape shop and everything to get me uh to get me some papers, and they tried to sell me some Delta Eight, man. I was like. Nah, man. Aww. Of course they did. Own. Of I course they own, did, bro. Of course they did. <laughs> Broke him off a nug. <laughs> let's, 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 let's move into song so we can wrap this up, Rico. I was out there like a philanthropist. <laughs> <laughs> Look, real weed from California. Rico, we need to move to Simon so we can wrap this up. Right, let's keep it move going. Along. Let's do it. All right. All right. So this this dope dad is a student and true believer in the medical properties of cannabis and for over 15 years helped develop products in Colorado, California, Florida, Massachusetts and New Jersey. Dropping a little talk about it. Tuesday knowledge to bring us home today. Saman Razani. Salute, salute to all our all our fans and listeners out there. we got a great story. Maybe just the start of a little bit of financial reprieve for us cannabis operators. This one goes out to all my Mainers out there. Shout out, big shout out to my boys out there, Third Shift Resin. You guys got some uh, stuff to talk about with your accountant soon. Um, Maine's latest state to offer marijuana businesses some 280E tax relief. This one's from MJ Biz Daily. Maine will allow legal marijuana businesses to, to take some tax deductions on their state returns to make up for forbidden expenses on their federal taxes. 
The new tax freedom is the result of a bill, legislative document 1063, recently signed into law by Maine's Democratic Governor Janet Mills. Shout out Janet for hooking it up. The legislation makes the income tax deduction for cannabis business expenses currently available to registered caregivers and registered dispensaries, also available to cannabis establishments and testing facilities. Todd, that sounds great. Um, According, uh, I'm sorry, Maine is the 17th state to offer some relief on the state level of marijuana companies chafing under the federal tax code. Section 280 of the tax code prohibits marijuana operators from deducting traditional business expenses on their federal tax returns. Under Maine's new law, which was first reported by Marijuana Moment, cannabis tax money will be shifted into the state's general fund to make up for the projected $2.5 million in reduced state revenue. Efforts in Congress to, to reschedule marijuana Uh oh, did we lose Saman? You froze on us right when we were about to get some good news about 280E2. Fucking right, right. Oh man. Well, all right. The number one thing to remember about this is there is no actual relief to 280E. All they are doing is giving relief to state taxes, not your federal. I mean, just saying. Just saying. saying they need. They need all these headlines. Need to stop saying that. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're getting, getting, they're getting uh, me excited, just, and all of a sudden, tax, I'm getting let down. tax relief. See, Saman pushing right. some bullshit. Yeah, is that I propaganda? Word that comes out of that that propaganda. Mouth. So shocking, he froze. <laughs> but just so you know, you can go <laughs> to our website. Y'all my man when he's over there. Uh, but he's frozen and he can't right. defend himself. Well, just, just, <laughs> just so everyone knows, you can head over to our website, www.highatnightnews.com, and you can read the full article for yourself, and you can be the determining factor. But they are taking, uh, they're, they're making uh, tax deductions uh, available for Maine's cannabis. So, sorry. Um, sorry, guys. I'm going to have to. We already burned you to the ground, so don't worry. You don't have to finish <laughs> it. Really, all the, all, hey, all, all these conservatives, all these conservatives are just piling on you, man. You can see it in the replay, but uh, you want to finish the story real quick? You want to summarize uh, it? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, just, I, I don't know where I left off. I was uh, just, just, just my story. Get, no more than a two, two has failed summary. me again. Uh, the the you know the situation with two eighty taxes is a big deal. I mean, the fact that they're extending this, I think, is a great idea, and obviously, it's a help to the operators. Uh, we need more relief, but uh, it's just a, a little bit of good news on the tax front for operators. And I think any good news is any news is good news um, when it comes to saving money on our taxes and uh, that's it this is Saman Razani reporting for High 9 News sorry for the technical difficulties Saman Gretchen says it ain't gonna do anything it ain't gonna do I anything know. well no, I, I, mean, said, I said it's only for state taxes not for federal right. well what they're doing is they're allowing, say you're a liar they're 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 allowing some some extra deductions from those people I think that's good it's not gonna amount to a ton on I mean I think that's level, true correct? I think yes at the at the state level but most of the states, level, most the states no that have a program, they already give you 280E relief already. I mean, I mean, that's the first step is just the tax code reform um, for cannabis businesses. Uh, they've they've done reforms to uh, fire protection association um, rules and regulations and code that we have to follow. They need to do that and follow suit with, uh, you know, federal tax code as well. But, you know, that's that's going to come last, unfortunately, as we all know. Um, but uh, it's a step in the right direction by Maine. Maine is taking the initiative. I think Janet Mills is, you know, that's a great thing they're doing. Doing. we'll see how it all pans out but thank you guys for for you know listening and tuning in today and gretchen of course it's not going to amount to a lot you're absolutely right but it is a little bit and the, the little bit stack up. the little bit stack up see it was, was it just a misnomer or is this fake news fake news fake headline yep fake news fake headline yep just about to just trying to get people excited for nothing basically sounds like We're donald saying, trump we, we, no, we're sounds- seeing this happen from, from from state to state. Is it, at what point are they just going to just make it a broad legislation? Oh, they can't. What are you talking about? Yeah, what are you start giving? About? They're they're not going to give no two eighty relief until there is some sort of federal excise tax. You're never going to get rid of two eighty e until there's something like that happens, and that's only going to happen with federal legalization. Eh, I wouldn't go that far. I'm, I'm, uh, I'll put money on it. I'm just saying, after safe banking packs, 280 right. is up next. And Gretchen is wrong. I'm, you're not the one who's <laughs> pounding the pavement and pushing the legislation, Jason Beck. I, I, I'm I telling you, after safe banking happens, 
280 is next on the agenda. I'm just telling you, 280 is going to be replaced I'm without, without, without some you. type of excise I'm tax. I'm telling you. 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 So, so in summary, Gretchen wants She's Jason fired up. to pound the pavement and Jason wants uh, Gretchen to pound sand. And thank you all for joining us today for another episode of High at Nine News and catch us live weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific. High noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to the super fan show and love putting their comments live on the big screen and the live audience and members and supporters catching us across all media platforms tuning in for the can of cannabis conversations of chaos to our vetted correspondents tuning in from all over bringing this much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table our production team cloud media partners house of fuego and all of our uh, sponsors for the most part keeping our lights on you know sometimes it's it's, it's good to do a little dirt in the dark um everybody else out there y'all know the cannabis sativa l is the reason that we show up every day to read these headlines thank you babe it has been tuesday august 8th 2023 the show's over you've all been blessed with the top industry headlines. Hope it was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. My name is Rico Lamy, the dopest dad on the street. I'd like to give this one to Gretchen. Take us out today. What you got for us? I don't know. I'm so excited. That just came out of nowhere. Thank you. I'd like to thank all the little people, all the little libs who keep fucking this shit up. Keep, keep, stay strong. <laughs> Publicans will take you home. <laughs>